Well, good morning, everyone. I want to first of all thank the band for um, fixing our gaze straight on Jesus Christ this morning because that is definitely where we're going to be focusing. And um, Pastor Joey is running in a marathon today. And so I get the honor of being able to speak to you. I'm Debbie. Um, I serve here at Stones Hill um, in the area of next steps and discipleship. And it's an honor uh, to be able to share with all of you, um, the family of God today. And just a little bit about myself. I've been married to my husband, Tim, um, for 39 years. And praise the Lord. Yes, I do praise the Lord. Uh, we have four grown children. Uh, we have, um, I was going to say, son-in-laws, daughters-in-laws, and eight grandchildren. Um, and just the journey of Christ has been beautiful through family life. That is one way he um, speaks to us. And so with that said, I just want to give praise and glory to Jesus Christ this morning. He is the life changing, make all things new, relational, intentional God that comes right here and brings his kingdom and makes a difference. And um, my life is a testimony of that. And so today, um, I'm going to testify of him. And I'm going to testify of how he places us in oneness with him and then in relationships with others to help us grow. So let's go to him in prayer this morning. Um, Heavenly Father, we praise you, we worship you, we enter your gates with thanksgiving, we enter your courts with praise. We thank you that Jesus Christ has been given all authority on heaven and earth. We thank you that you have given us the indwelling spirit that is Christ in us, hope of glory that empowers us and directs us to love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, and gentleness, and self-control. And thank you for the people of God. Thank you that your church spurs us on to know you more. And thank you, Father, that we grow better together. We give you all the glory this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. And so since I get the opportunity to talk about discipleship and next steps with people and in their lives, I thought maybe we should define that this morning. So we're going to talk about um, the definition of Jesus' discipleship. We're going to show how Jesus was an example of discipleship. We're going to hear the prayer that Jesus prayed for us as his disciples. And then we're going to talk about his co-mission. And then I'm also going to have a couple of, of my friends come up and share this morning the life-changing um, truth of Jesus Christ as well. So let's start out by going to uh, Matthew 4. Jesus is calling disciples. This is Jesus's um, definition of being a disciple. Jesus says, follow me and I will make you fishers of men. So following me. So if we follow him, we give our authority to him. We believe him. We pick up ourselves and we follow him, right? So a disciple follows him and believes him. Second of all, it says in Jesus' definitions, I will make you fishers of men. So do we make ourselves fishers of men? No, he makes us fishers of men. So a disciple follows Christ's authority. We believe him, and then we let him do the work within us. We believe him, and we trust him to do the work and the change within us. And then the next thing Jesus says, um, I will make you fishers of men, fishers of women. So from that following of him, trusting, believing, loving him, um, the fact that we um, want to trust him to make us a certain way, it will compel us to love our neighbor. 
It will compel us to love our neighbors. So we are going to talk about that today in, in a, um, a way that I really think is going to be practical. It's going to be really practical for you. So as far as being a disciple, let's look at Jesus' life in the scriptures. When I look at Jesus' life in the whole of the New Testament, I see him being very relational. When you read through, you'll see him one-on-one -on -one with his father in prayer. You'll see him with disciples in groups of maybe two or three people. You'll see him um, with the disciples in groups of 12 people talking with them. You'll see him walking along the daily paths of life and just touching and ministering to people in everyday life. You see him equipping um, a larger number of people, 72, sent him out two by two. He sent the disciples first, 12, two by two, but then he sent 72, two by two. So he's equipping, and then he's doing large group preaching. And so as I look at Jesus' life, I see a lot of time spent in relationship. I see a lot of time spent in smaller groups. And so with that example, we are going to learn that that's a valuable part of discipleship because Jesus modeled it. So he gave us the definition. He modeled it by example. And then here's the prayer he prayed for us. So let's hear this prayer. This is in John 17. And he was praying for the, the 12 first, but then this is his prayer for us. And he said, my prayer is not for them alone, the 12. I pray also for those who will believe in me through their message, that all of them may be one, Father, just as you are in me and I am in you. May they also be in us so the world may believe that you have sent me. I have given them the glory that you gave me, that they may be one, as we are one, I and them, and you and me, so that they may be brought to complete unity. Then the world will know that you sent me and have loved them, even as you have loved me. That, to me, uh, when the Lord gave me a revelation, was just life-changing. He is one. He's the Father, Son. He's the Spirit. He is one. And that glory of oneness is beautiful to behold. And a lot of times we as Christians go right to this and we think it's about being one with each other. And I think that's the cart before the horse. Because what Christ is saying is Jesus, the Son, and the Spirit are one and that glory is given up to us. So we have the ability to be in the Father, Son, and Spirit, whoosh, Debbie, in the one. That is the glory he's talking about. The oneness with Christ, that relationship with Christ, that intimacy with Christ, that life-changing um, ability to know what love is and to, to love others. That's the first thing. So Jesus prayed for all of us to be this, okay? Father, Son, Spirit, you and me, whoosh, one in them. And then out of that, it compels you to love your neighbor. That's where then the unity comes. When you're one here, then you become one here. It's not about being one here first. It's about being one here first. Are you following me on that? That is so valuable. And Jesus modeled that. And we're going to talk a little bit about, well, and that's what he prayed for you and me. So 2,000 years ago, he prayed that for us. So I think that's important. And then we're going to, at the very end, talk about the mission that he's calling us on when he um, gave his definition, I will make you fishers of men. There's a commission. All right? So we, we did the, de um, the definition. We did the example. We're going to talk a little more about that, his prayer, and then his commission. So my goal this morning for all of us as we're here today, our goal is how Paul said it in Colossians. He says, um, 
for in Christ for in Christ lives all the fullness of God in a human body so you are all complete through your union with Christ who is the head over every ruler and authority so i want you to understand the glory of oneness can, we can have with Christ and then second of all um, I want to encourage us all in heart that we can be united in a way that we will not want to forsake gathering together. Because of this oneness, we'll want to keep gathering together with people. As he says in Hebrews, don't give up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, but encourage one another every day, all the more as you see that day approaching. So again, the oneness will produce community and encouragement in the body of Christ. So oneness with Christ in discipleship, oneness with others out of that with Christ. So it's faith expressing itself in love. So let's look and see how Jesus did it, all right? Let's see how he did it. He was intentional. He was relational. He led by example. And then he get, did life-changing teaching within those groups. He modeled oneness with the Father. And let me show you just some ways here in Scripture. In John and Mark and Luke, this is just some words that um, describe that relationship with the Father. It says, I and the Father are one. Jesus said that. Very early in the morning, while it was still dark, Jesus got up, left the house, went off to a solitary place where he prayed to be one with the Father. Then in another verse, it says, Jesus often withdrew to lonely places and prayed to be one with the Father. And then another verse in John says, Jesus explained, I tell you the truth, the Son can do nothing by himself. He does only what he sees the Father doing. Whatever the Father does, the Son does also. Oneness, okay, with the Father. Another verse in John, uh, after Jesus said this, he looked towards heaven and he prayed, Father, the hour has come. Glorify your Son that your Son may glorify you. He glorified the Father. So there was a sense of oneness. And I want to tell you this morning, the most important small group you'll ever be in is this one. The Father, the Son, and the Spirit. You. Oneness. The most important small group you'll ever be in. All life flows from that. And so I really encourage you to just ask the Father um, how he's drawing you into that relationship because he is he's drawing you into that relationship of oneness and i'm just going to give you um an example of what that might look like in our humanness because obviously um jesus spent time with the father right those examples all showed that he he, he got away and he spent time with the father and i just happen to have a real life good example in my life and it's my husband so my husband has walked with christ a long time uh, he came to know Christ, actually, in our um, marriage, and he has testified of that before, how um, he came to know the Lord after we were already married, have seen him grow um, greatly in oneness with the Father and then oneness that disciples in his relation with others. And I just want to give you a personal example because, I mean, that's who I see, right? You know, and Christianity is practical. It changes us. And if it doesn't change, in, change us in our home, where will it change us, right? It starts there. So I'm just sharing this with my husband because of that. And um, I see him maturing in oneness, and his um, faithfulness to Christ spurs me on. And so just recently in the last few years, it seems like I'll wake up in the middle of the night with hot flashes, TMI, and my husband's over there sitting on the chair praying. I'm waking up because I'm hot, and he's over there praying for his family. And then I go back to sleep. But he's praying, all right? So he's up. The Lord is drawing him to himself during that time. And then I get up in the morning, 
And um, he's out sitting in the living room, sitting on the chair, and he's in the scriptures. So here I am waking up, and he's in the scriptures. Do you see what I mean? He's with the Father. Because of his maturing in the Father and in life with the Father, he wants to be near the Father. And so he's, he's in that relationship. So I get to see that. And that just spurs me on. And I hope it spurs you on. Because one day I was sitting with him eating tacos, which is his favorite food, and I just said, Honey, why is your face so steady? Why is it steady? You know, everything is shaken. Why is your faith steady? And this is what he said, without even a blink of eye, because I trust him. Because I trust him. And then when I say it's difficult to trust someone you don't know. So he trusts the Father, Jesus Christ, God in a body, the Spirit in him, because he's had long relationship with him, a journey of relationship with him. And I encourage all of us to be steady in our faith because we know him, right? And when we know him, that spurs us on to trust him. So that's just an example of oneness, and I pray that all of us are growing in that area of oneness in our own personal relationship with Christ because he's just the most awesome God ever. He will speak to you in your love language. He will speak to you in your area. He will speak to you in your trials, in your blessings, in your family, in your children. You are right where he wants you to speak oneness into you, no matter what's going on. And we all look different. We're created in God's image. We all look different, but every situation he is using to draw us to himself to say, I trust you. I want to be one with you. And then the compelling love that comes out of that is love for your neighbor, right? Love God compels love for your neighbor. Neighbor, And again, Jesus modeled this. He was intentional. He was relational. He led by example. And he gave life-changing teaching within those kind of small groups. So um, let me just, these are again just phrases from scriptures um, that uh, I looked up as I um, wondered how Jesus interacted with his disciples. So just some phrases from scriptures. He was walking with his disciples, sat down with his disciples, got in a boat with his disciples, was having dinner with his disciples. Jesus withdrew with his disciples. Jesus went and so did this with his disciples. He was instructing his 12 disciples. Jesus went along the grain fields and his disciples were hungry. Jesus explained it to his disciples. Jesus and his disciples were leaving. Jesus and his disciples arrived. Jesus entered a house accompanied by his disciples. Jesus began speaking to his disciples first, then the crowds. Jesus told his disciples a parable. Jesus appeared to his disciples. You see what I mean? It's active, living and active relationship with the people that the oneness compelled them to love. And so it was in small group settings a lot of the times that we were able to see that. So with that said, I'm going to call up a couple friends here. First of all, I'm going to call up my dear friend, Miss Luann Replunkel. So I'm going to have her come on down. And when I walked in this store 38 years ago, that's the first person I saw. She loved me. She hugged me. She prayed our family into the kingdom. She's ministered with me for 20 years. Life on life. Send them out by two. There's the two beside my hubby. And so she's going to share that journey of Christ herself. I'm just going to stay up here with her, but go ahead. Okay. Whoops, let me turn you on, babe. Okay. Colossians 2.7 says, Let your roots grow down deep and draw nourishment from him. Make sure you are 
growing in the Lord and become strong and vigorous in the truths you were taught. Let your lives overflow with joy and thanksgiving for all he has done. First of all, I am so grateful for the Holy Spirit drawing me, convicting me to so many opportunities to grow in my faith. Um, uh, I just um, am so appreciative. Bob and I started attending here about 38 years ago. Mm-hmm. It's a long time ago. We were just young pups. We had two little boys. Kevin was about two. Vic was about six months old. And not long after we started attending here, Bob and I felt led to rededicate our lives to the Lord. We had already accepted Christ in high school, but we wanted to rededicate our lives to the Lord. Mm-hmm. And um, I am so thankful that Bob was spiritually hungry as well as I was because we could grow as a couple and as a family. And um, most generally, Stones Hill usually had classes for both children, mm-hmm. youth, and adults. And so it just was convenient to come on Wednesday night Bible studies and Sunday morning, we called it Sunday school before equipping came along. But anyway, um, it, it was a good opportunity to grow us um, as a family. Mm-hmm. Uh, one of the things that I grew was Miss Debbie took me through the Timothy discipleship class. And that was maybe a six, eight week class where um, I did homework on my own and then we went, met weekly for about eight weeks and there were um, verses to memorize. And I think that's kind of when I got started um, seeing the importance of hiding God's word in my Mm -hmm. heart. And um, so um, when our boys were little, probably elementary age, we were coming to Wednesday night church and they had verses to learn. And um, of course, if your kids are like my kids, they need a little bit of encouragement to learn those verses. Mm -hmm. And so I thought, you know, these are good verses on salvation. It'd be good if I learned them right along with them. And so Uh, Believe it or not, I can remember a few of those (laughs) to this day because it was a long time ago that I learned them. But um, I find um, when I say uh, I find it convenient for me to say my memory verses when I work out. I like to walk. I like to swim. Mm -hmm. And um, that's just a good time for me to say my verses. And then um, going along with memorizing scripture. About three years ago, Kevin and Kayla decided they weren't going to send our granddaughters to preschool, that they wanted to enjoy them at home. And she was talking to Alyssa Baumgartner, and um, Alyssa was teaching her kids some scripture verses, and they were, um, each verse went along with a a letter of the alphabet. (laughs) And so the twins were learning these little verses, and I thought, it just intrigued me, you know, to hear them say their verses, and I asked Kayla for a copy because I thought I could just learn them right along with the girls. Mm -hmm. And so it came time for us. We're snowbirds, and so we went to Florida, and and we would talk on the phone, and I'd say, hey, girls, what verse are you on? Because I kind of tried to keep with them. They tried to learn a verse a week. And so anyhow, that's just been fun. Even last winter, I knew through Miss Kenzie that she had um, learned memory verses through Awana, and I knew the twins were coming on Wednesday night, and so... One Thursday morning, we were FaceTiming, and I said, girls, what'd you do? And oh, they went to church, you know, and and uh, just blesses my heart to see that family in church, you know. And, and I said, uh, are you learning verses? Yep. They rattled three verses off, so I jotted the addresses down or the references, mm-hmm. and I learned those two. So anyhow, it's just been fun learning some verses. I don't use, I think the most I know is 11 verses maybe in one one book of the Bible, but you know, they're just small snippets here and there, and I just have found that 
when I talk with people or I pray with them or it encourages me mm -hmm. too, you know, like th just this week I was praying for a friend and I just shot her a text and I said, um, this is the verse I prayed for you today. Mm -hmm. And believe it or not, it was one of those ABC verses mm -hmm. that the twins learned <laughs> mm -hmm. years ago. So anyhow, um, that's been, been a, a, a big part of my growth. Yeah. And another way that I've grown spiritually, spiritually was years ago, Dave Speakman invited Bob and I to attend their small group. And um, that was just a good time for us to meet Bob and I to go and meet with other couples that were raising kids and to study the word and to um, discuss it and hear how the word was. It may not always been a biblical study. It might have been a topical, you know, but anyway, just good discussion and it helped me grow and it, it connected me. Debbie talked about belonging and unity and uh, that group got big and so Bob felt that it would be good for us to start a small group of our own. And so um, we did start our small group and again, you know, it was just a good time to meet with other couples um, to, to uh, learn about the word, be mm -hmm. in prayer with them. We served here at church, we served in our community mm -hmm. And so um, that, that's been a good, good um, experience for us. And then the last way that I felt that I was able to grow as a Christian was um, I was invited to go to Bible Study Fellowship, and that was a Bible study that met um, during the school year in Goshen. And it met once a week, and I had homework to do on my own, and then we went and discussed it in a small group, and then um, we sat and listened to a lecture for an hour. <laughs> And so um, during that time, I went for a few years. I was asked to be a children's preschool leader at this Bible study. And so um, I was sharing with Debbie one day. Mm -hmm. We were out to lunch, probably for her birthday. <laughs> <laughs> and um, anyway, sh I was sharing how I was growing in this Bible study. And um, she says, well, would you be interested in coming and sharing some of your teaching skills here at Stones Hill in the preschool department mm -hmm. that I had learned at Bible Study Fellowship? And so I agreed to, and so she and I started meeting weekly, and she mentored me, and I loved it. She would hold me accountable, you know, what's Jesus teaching you, or what's Jesus speaking to you? And um, we, we did children's ministry together, and then she formed a children's team. And um, I tell you, we just had the best time, the mm -hmm. children's team here. There was about seven of us girls. And we came in those church doors, and we had purpose because we had a sense of belonging. And uh, we just spurred one another on to love and good deeds. Like Debbie says, you know, we, we love God, we love others. And um, I just have found that um, that produces harmony and unity in the body. And um, in Romans 12, 5 says, So in Christ, we who are many form one body, all, each member belongs to all the others. And God made us to have a sense of belonging. Mm -hmm. And I have found that the more effort I put into connecting with Jesus and growing in him and serving, that it produces me to grow. Stay up here. Well said. There's journey. Did you see journey there? Yes. Oneness that loved. So let's pray for Luann. Lord, thank you so much for Luann. Thank you that actually she's mentored me through your love. Thank you for the journey that we've had together. Thank you for the joys and the, the challenges where we both learned to trust you. Thank you for her husband, Bob, for her family, her grandchildren. 
thank you, Lord, that life happens in relational discipleship. Her eyes are fixed on Christ. Thank you, Father. And as I like to say, there's lots of fruit on this woman's tree. Praise the Lord. And it's just um, part of a maturing and growing in Christ. We give all that glory to you, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. Oh, thank you, friend. You're the best. Thank you. Again, an example of relational um, oneness and discipleship through Christ, which, again, Christ modeled. And then um, I'm going to actually call up a couple to share with you t today. And um, they're um, not as far on the journey as Miss Luann or Tim and I, but they're working through the ups and downs of life in, the, in faith to Christ. And I'm going to call them up here to share. It's John and Beth. Are you going to come up with him then this morning? Okay. All right. So John and Beth, come on up. Um, they're going to share their growth journey with Christ and how um, groups have been a part of that in their life. So let's give them a hug. I'm going to pray for them first, though. I'm going to come over here with Beth. Thank you, Father, for the beauty of um, oneness. Thank you for the covenant of marriage that shows us what that looks like, that two shall become one. And, Lord, I know that in our life, uh, marriage is the great training ground of becoming less so you can become more. And so, Lord, I pray for this young couple. I pray for their four beautiful children. And I pray that as they testify of Christ today, their hope will be encouraged, their faith will be strengthened, strengthened, and they will have continuing endurance for the journey. Thank you today that they're testifying of Christ in your faithfulness. Amen. All right, friends. Well, thanks for putting me on the spot here. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I'm not a good public speaker, so I'm going to apologize now. Um, when Miss Debbie came to me uh -huh. about a month ago and asked if I would share my journey from meeting with Tim and starting point, <laughs> I was a little nervous, and then she reminded me a week ago that I had this coming up. So um, I kind of threw this together pretty quick. Mm -hmm. So um, just a little background. Uh, when I was younger, I went to uh, Calvary United Methodist in Avila. Um, it's where I was baptized. It's where my parents were married. Um, I went there till about eighth grade, and then kind of my journey of church kind of fell off and didn't want to go. My parents would drag, drag us, and we just ended up not going. So between eighth grade and probably senior in high school, my following with you know Christ and in the church was non-existent or very faint. Um, so a lot of ups and downs, a lot of bad decisions, a lot of stuff. And then uh, in 2011, Beth and I got married in January. Um, and it's it's been trials. I mean, if you're married, you know what I'm talking about. You're going to have your arguments. You're going to have your ups and your downs. Um, but no matter what, she has stood beside me through everything. I told myself I wasn't going to cry. Um, she's prayed for me. Um, even in my hard times, I mean, suffered with a lot of anger issues and everything. And then when... One Sunday when we started going here, I heard, I don't know if it was Miss Debbie or if it was Tim, talk about starting point, and I thought to myself, I'm like, that'd be a good spot for me to restart the flame. Um, so I went and really enjoyed the eight weeks with Tim and Mike and the guys and gals that were in it. It was great, and I kind of felt that 
fire kind of started to ignite a little bit more and then just kind of kept going with it and then got involved with the multimedia team here. Um, I volunteered with Rock Solid. I volunteered my photography skills. And you've seen some of the work on the Facebook page. Um, so stuff like that. Then I took a second week or a second round of starting point, mm -hmm. which you can never take too many rounds with Tim and Mike. You learn so many different <laughs> things and then you learn all about their favorite ice cream and <laughs> coffees and everything like that. But in that second round of it, I really felt a calling that I needed to accept Christ more. So I called Tim and it was a matter, I sent him a text, asked him if I can call and within five minutes I was getting a phone call back. Within 30 minutes we were meeting here at the church and had to sit down and talk for almost two hours and in that point I gave it all to Christ and you know a lot of the times it's been it's been rough I'm still learning I still have a lot to go with but if it wasn't for starting point if it wasn't for Tim if it wasn't for Miss Debbie if it wasn't for my wife if it wasn't for the church body in itself honestly I don't know where I'd be right now so I mean I gave my life to Christ when I was 34 I'm 35 now and which is funny because I listened to Tim's story and it's about when he started. So I see a lot of myself, and I, I, it's why I really mm -hmm. value the friendship with Tim and Miss Debbie because mm -hmm. I feel like I'm following that same path. Yes. But um, once I realized that and gave it all, I felt a lot of weight that was lifted off of my shoulders. The worries were mm -hmm. gone. Um, it just, I don't know, it's a completely different feeling. Mm -hmm. So that is, uh, that's helped me by giving somebody to talk to, talk to my wife, be more open. Um, and being in starting point stuff, I, you know, along the journey, I'm learning to let God handle things, which is extremely hard for me because I'm a problem solver. I want to fix it myself. And that's just who I am. So it's kind of hard. But I also want to be able to understand the Bible to teach my four children, to show them what a good example is through and through, which I sometimes I'm not the best at. Um, Revelation 3.20 says, here I am. I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in and eat with him and he with me. This verse stands out to me because he has been at my door. And all I had to do was let him in. It's been years since I've let him in. But ever since I have, things have changed. I just... I feel different, but I just, you know, if we do things in life, no matter what they are, as long as we give it all to the glory of God, nothing, nothing stands in its way. Just give it all to him. Um, Colossians 3.17 states, and whenever you do, whether in word or deed, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. These all stand out to me. These are just things that I have in one verse that stands out the most. And Beth can say she pounds it into my head all the time <laughs> is 1 Corinthians 13, 4. Love is patient. Love mm. is kind. It is not envy. It is not boast. It is not proud. Mm. And that is something that has hit hard for me. And if it's something that she could probably tattoo on my forehead so I could see it every morning, she'd probably do it. Mm -hmm. So, but again... If it wasn't been for starting point, Miss Debbie, Tim, mm -hmm. the church body, the multimedia team, everybody, mm -hmm. 
I don't think I'd be where I am today. So I thank you mm. for the opportunity mm. and Love you, to be able to share that. Yeah, and I'm going to keep them up here. Praise the Lord. Again, praise the Lord for the journey of Christ in their life. And I'm going to ask you all to reach out your hand up here. We're going to pray for them one more time, okay? And they're just going to be even a proxy for all of you, okay, of growing in oneness with Christ. That helps us through the hard times of oneness in marriage. Again, the biggest training ground for learning what oneness means. And so, Father, in Jesus' name, I just thank you so much for the testimony of Jesus Christ that just came out of John and Beth's presence. The seeds are planted. Water them. Water the seeds. May it grow into a, a, a fruit-bearing, love-filled, life-changing tree. Thank you, Father. What Luann has shared, may they have the hope of each day is a new day with mercies in Christ, that that tree will grow, it will stand strong in the storms, and it will bear fruit upon fruit year after year. And we pray for what John just said with his children, that they will all receive the love of Jesus Christ, that they will testify that God is their all in all, and they will stand strong against the devil's schemes because they know their God. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks, friends. Appreciate your heart. Wow, I love the journey. I love the testimony of Christ's faithfulness. And no matter the storms, no matter the, the joys, whatever the journey, he is faithful. And as, of course, we're talking about oneness and then how that oneness compels us to love well. Um, I mean, obviously, the first line of that is oneness with our, our Heavenly Father through Jesus Christ. But then our spouses, if we're married, you know, in that twosome, that, that's where discipleship takes place. You know, if we're single, the Lord will always bring someone into our life that will serve as that second person or two, he sends us out two by two, so discipleship can happen there. Then obviously all of you and your families, um, when you have children at home or away from the home, that is small group ministry right there. Okay, that's where uh, the rubber hits the road. The faith, you know, is expressed in love. But we do encourage you uh, to step out then and, and love um, your neighbor beyond those groups of people. And we're going to talk briefly about this as we end, and then we're going to end today with the baptisms. So, um, in a practical sense, this is the practical part, the practical and valuable reasons why growing in oneness through discipling groups is so valuable for all of us. Okay, and again, whether I said husband, wife, um, a friend, a group of ladies, two or three, uh, a group of men, two or three, a group of women that are 12, a group of men that are 12, um, you know, daily ministry in your workplaces, um, large equipping venues like this or like our AIG class, what is uh, the value of them? And I am focusing on my thoughts on smaller groups, but obviously there's value in all those. So the very first thing is, is intimacy and prayer. So the value of being in a small group setting is intimacy and prayer. Um, in Mark, at the transfiguration, um, uh, scriptures say this. After six days, Jesus took Peter, James, and John with him and led them up to a high mountain where they were alone. He transfigured before them. So in a group of three with Christ, Christ revealed himself to them. They saw him, okay? Easy point. They saw him in a group of three. He revealed himself. The next um, intimate and prayer place that Jesus, again, exampled 
um, for us and modeled for us was in the Garden of Gethsemane. Um, this says, they went to a place called Gethsemane, and Jesus said to his disciples, sit here while I pray. He took Peter, James, and John along with him, and he began to be deeply distressed and troubled. Okay, God and Abad, deeply distressed and troubled. And what did he ask? For three friends to be with him. Pretty important. And so they were with him in real life troubles, and he was God in a body. All right. So that's an example of the intimacy that you can have in a very, what I call mini group, very small group of people. Um, another um, thing that you can grow from in those situations is questions and spiritual conversations will take place. So when you're in a small group, mini group, um, you'll have a lot of conversations, a lot of spiritual questions answered. It will produce, produce authenticity and accountability in your life, and it will give you a way to real life get in the scriptures. And one thing I love about Christ, and our small group right now knows this, he loved to ask questions. And Jesus never asked questions because he needed information, right? I mean, he's God. Jesus asked questions so we would know where we're at. And in a smaller group setting, we can ask questions. Here are some of the questions Jesus asked. What is your name? Who do you say I am? What are you thinking in your heart? Do you believe I can do this? Where's your faith? Do you want to be well? Why do you call me Lord, Lord, and do not do what I command? So the second value of being in small group relationship with people is great questions can be asked and spiritual conversations can be discussed. The third really valuable thing about being in small group settings is healing and growth. And scripture speaks of it this way. In Ecclesiastes it says, Two people are better off than one for they can help each other succeed. If one person falls, the other can reach out and help. But someone who falls alone is in real trouble. Also in Ecclesiastes, a person standing alone can be attacked and defeated. But two can stand back to back and conquer. Isolated sheep, Jesus calls us sheep. Isolated sheep are raw meat for a wolf. Great value. And having someone that you're with on a consistent basis, obviously can be a spouse, but also a friend. You know, I had a spouse, Anna Luann, and many other friends, but just the point of the two there. And then also it says in James, confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. The prayer of a righteous person is powerful and effective. And my friend Luann and all my friends, we all pray for each other. That's huge. And then, uh, obviously, there's a, a, a hands-on, loving touch through small group settings. I mean, when Jesus went in his day-to-day -day ministry and went through towns, what did he do when he healed someone? He touched them. In a lot of cases, he touched them. He could speak it, and they do, but he also touched them. So healing and growth, intimacy and prayer, questions and spiritual conversations, healing and growth. And then the last things that are just today that we're talking about, the value of being in a, a smaller type ministry setting is disciple making will take place. 
disciples will grow, and good deeds will happen out of that. And I get a couple more scriptures uh, where Jesus said, uh, when Jesus had called the 12 together, he gave them power and authority to drive out all demons and to cure diseases, and he sent them out to proclaim the kingdom of God and heal the sick. So he sent them out to heal. Disciple-making and good deeds go together. And in another of scripture, it says, After this, the Lord appointed 72 others, and he sent them out two by two ahead of him to every town and every place where he was about to go. He told them, The harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Ask the Lord of the harvest, therefore, to send out workers into his harvest field. Again, he sent them out two by two. So he will encourage disciples to make disciples in small group settings. That's why we're there. Small groups encourage you and I to make disciples. And it also encourages us that each one should use whatever gift he has received to serve others. And that grows our own faith, which is just beautiful in that. So um, as we close up here, why? Let's just ask that question, why? Why did Jesus model oneness with his father and others through a discipleship setting. Why? Because it changes lives. It changes lives. 2,000 years ago, Jesus proclaimed being the way, the truth, and the life. He poured into 12 men who were changed by the life-giving gospel, and now 2,000 years later, you are changed or can be changed by the 12 who discipled others. We're here because Christ spent time with 12 men. I mean, he preached the gospel. He did all the other things that we talked about, but he spent time with 12 men, sent them out, it changed the world. Discipling of a small group of people will always endure through time and darkness. And ultimately, we're the sheep of his pastor, and he's our shepherd, and we're all accountable to him, ultimately. But because he did have one of the 12 who betrayed him. So it is ultimately between us and our good shepherd but the setting of discipleship, the, the setting of small group ministry, again, with, with husbands, wives, families, church families, small groups, classes, life change happens. And I'm going to um, bank on that um, percentage, okay? 11 out of 12 followed. And so I'm so thankful for life. And as you see, the little one's coming in. Yay, there's life. Come on in. So back to Jesus' prayer, oneness with him brings a oneness that will love your neighbor. And Jesus says this oneness will change the world. When this world sees that you and I believe and love Jesus Christ, they can believe and love Jesus Christ. So as the young people come in here, we're going to get ready for the baptism. So any strong men out there, just a minute, I'm going to need four of you up here to help take this off. I want to ask you, on your faith journey, with Jesus Christ, where are you with oneness with Christ? And it's not comparable to anybody else. It's just relationship with Christ. He's there. He's with you. Oneness. Belief 
entrusting? And then, are you being discipled anywhere? Are you in a small group of um, like-minded people who are in the scriptures, seeking the Lord's face? And again, that can be in your own families. I mean, it, it really can. That is the first line. But it is good to be with others as well. And then, this is the kicker. Are you discipling others? Remember the co-mission? What's a disciple? A disciple is someone who follows Christ, is being changed by Christ, and is on the mission of Christ, which is go make disciples. So let's end with that. We've got a great word picture of what that looks like. Um, Miss Kinsey, um, the Bloss family, Miss Ava, we're going to come up. If I can have some strong men, we're going to move uh, the, the, what is this called, the baptism.